celebrate them with some of that stuff. Um, it's good to see you, by the way. It's emotional having Micah and Nicole lead us, right? It's like, you're so good. And you're going to Waco. It would be easier if they were bad at it. <laughs> like, eh. <laughs> But really, uh, just amazing. You've grown so much, my friend. Uh, you've matured. Uh, you just, you flourish. Uh, you're just amazing, incredible. And then... Praise the Lord for you guys coming together and being married, and you're, you're a pro. I remember when Nicole came here, I texted my boss right away. I said, I have the world's best worship leader just came into my church. Uh, um, we don't want to lose her. Like, use her, platform her, you know, get her up there. So thousands and thousands of people here. Didn't happen, so they're going to Waco. But <laughs> Oh, but summer's almost over, right? Happy, sad, mixed emotions. Um, I've had a really busy summer, so I, I'm, I'm kind of just settled with that, that uh, I just get to wait till next year to have summer. Um, but one thing about me I, I'm, I'm realizing, I, I've known this for a while, is I'm a planner, I'm a scheduler, I'm always thinking about what's next. Uh, we already have September, October, November, December, those are the, you know, those different trainings and classes and teachings, uh, even what we're preaching, all that stuff. That's just kind of how I'm wired. Uh, it's the way God made me, and I, I love to do that. The danger with that is uh, when you're always planning and strategizing for what's next is you can miss out on the moment. Anyone ever been there before where you're thinking about so much of what's about to happen, you uh, forget to embrace the, the moment of today. And, and so I was talking to my interns, and by the way, Kyla and Tucker have been amazing interns this summer, really been blessed. But I, I talked to them about this, I, I think it was about three, four weeks ago. I said, you know, we're just, let's face it, we're already talking about September, October, November, but the summer isn't over. And don't you think that God might want to do something in the next couple of weeks uh, of August? And, and we came to the agreement that God did want to do some really amazing, powerful things this summer. And the great thing about having interns is you can make them do things for you and, and have them work for you. So this is a little ditty that the uh, interns came up with. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Let's watch it together. Oh no, I gotta go. I can't be late. I'm too early. I wonder what's on the news. Hello, my name is Kylie Ferry, and this is KFTM News. We've just received some breaking news about a phenomenon taking the nation by storm. People of all ages are spontaneously plunging themselves into bodies of water over the realization that summer is not over. With more on this story, here is Thaddeus Meyer from Edgewood, Washington. Thanks, Kylie. I'm here with local resident and pool owner Ruben Madras. Um, you had some comments, complaints, something like that? Not a complaint. I've had evidence of three or four people jumping in my pool and I just don't know what's going on. If it happens again, I don't know what I'm going to do. Hmm. Someone's 
What'd he say? He said summer's, summer's not over. I think that's why they've been doing all of this. That's it? Yeah. Well, how'd you like to swim? Summer's not over. Yeah. Thank you, Thaddeus. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Summer is not over. We'll see you back for the 11 o'clock news. What am I doing? Summer's not over. Lord Jesus, we believe uh, that prophetically you are doing something today and that summer isn't over. We don't have to jump into the fall yet. We can embrace today. The woman at the well, that day mattered. The lame man uh, at the gate, that day mattered. The day uh, that anyone says yes to you, Jesus, that day matters. The day that your son died on the cross, it mattered. The day that he rose from the dead, it mattered. And as much as those days mattered, we believe right now, today matters. And we just pray over the next few weeks, Lord, uh, just even this month of August, that we would be in tune and in step with your spirit, that we would just be open and willing, able, ready to be open to the radical move of your spirit in our lives today. That, God, we would not be afraid to open up ourselves, even be vulnerable and transparent before the King of kings and the Lord of lords today for our lives to be radically changed today in the mighty name of Jesus. So, God, have your way. Have your way right now, Lord. We know there's a future ahead of us. We know there's plans and strategies and dreams and visions for the future. But today, we're going to worry about today. Tomorrow has enough worries of it by itself. We are going to stay consumed and just keep our full attention on what you are doing right now. So, Jesus, even before this message begins we just say speak your servants are listening speak lord jesus in your wonderful name we pray amen amen hallelujah you may be seated amen and amen well i'm going to talk a little bit about the holy spirit today in fact we're calling the message the temple of god if you remember in the spring i spent a little bit of time three weeks to be exact on the holy spirit and, and we talked about how he moves. We looked at a lot of scriptures, uh, if you remember, on the Holy Spirit. We talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where people receive this boldness that they've never seen before, operating in gifts that they've never had before, and then seeing God manifest himself in us and through us in ways that we've never experienced before. And it really, it's a new way of living, a new way of living. And that's what the Bible shows to us. And we, we called it the Spirit-filled life, right? And you guys remember that? We said it was the Spirit-filled life. Sin, what does sin bring to us? Death. What does the Spirit bring to us? Life. He brings life. In fact, He even breathes His life into our dead bodies. He gives us this new life in Christ, fully alive, fully awake in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. 
Uh, by the way, that was also a pretty exciting time to be at LifeSpring. A lot of uh, good things were going on. I, I got to see many of you come alive in Christ and come alive by the Holy Spirit uh, in the spring. I, I so enjoyed that. Uh, I think we're also still experiencing a lot of the fruit from that season. We're still, even to this day, experiencing the fruit from that time together. But I hope you have an appreciation uh, for what a gift the Holy Spirit is in your life. Uh, if you're taking notes, again, we do have paper back there and Bibles back there. But if you're taking notes, you might want to write that down, that the Holy Spirit is a gift. He's a gift. I don't know if we always cherish him as a gift. I don't know if we always think of him as a gift. But what a grace gift from heaven above, from our Father in heaven, who gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Supernatural, miraculous I think it's hard for us to realize, as not being Jewish people, as being Gentiles, so Gentiles just being non-Jewish people, I don't think we truly appreciate what it means to have God's presence in us. Without that Jewish perspective, it's difficult for us to understand. But if I was a Jewish, if you were a Jewish person back in the time of Jesus, and I asked you where God's spirit is, or where God's presence is, your answer would be, well, he is at the temple, right? At the temple in Jerusalem. In fact, in the temple, he would be in the innermost room of the temple. It was called the Holy of Holies. Absolutely, the innermost room. It was separated from the rest of the temple by a veil. In fact, that room would only be entered once a year by the high priest that year, Right, and even when he came in, do you remember he had to do certain things? It was the Day of Atonement, and he had to be—he uh, had to wash himself ceremonially, be clean with a washing. He had to put on these special uh, clothes. He had to bring in special incense, uh, burning incense. He even had to come in with sacrificial blood on this Day of Atonement for the sins of the people. In fact, in Hebrews chapter nine, it says this: "But into this second room, into the Holy of Holies, it says only the high priest goes." And he goes but once a year, not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. And so this all happens in the temple, in the inner room, the Holy of Holies, in the presence of God. But then remember what happened when Jesus died. Remember what happened in the temple when Jesus died? Exactly. The veil was torn. This is how Matthew says it. When Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. So he died. And at that moment... The curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The veil in the temple torn from top to bottom. It shows us that our sins no longer separated us from our creator as followers of Christ. We know this, right? Because of the death on the cross, Jesus, he makes a way for us to be brought back into right relationship with God. So that Old Testament temple system, it is now made obsolete. And there's a new covenant. Have you heard that phrase before? New covenant. Right? It's a new covenant. But it's a new covenant of what? Of Jesus' blood. His blood makes possible a new relationship, right relationship between God and humans. This is pretty good news for us today, isn't it? I mean, it really is good news. That means no longer when we come together on a Sunday morning, we don't need a priest here killing some animals, sprinkling blood all over the place. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The Bible says it this way. We have a confidence to enter the Holy of Holies through Jesus. He says we have a confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. 
by a new, everyone say new, I just love that word, everyone say new, and a living, everyone say living, it's a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is the body of Christ that was broken for us. So it's so amazing. It's amazing. The work that Jesus has done, no longer have to go to Jerusalem to go to the temple. Many of us will be going to the Temple Mount in November, and I'm excited about that, to go see where the temple was. But you don't have to go to the temple in Jerusalem to find the presence of God. Jesus' blood, we often don't understand what Jesus' blood did for us, but Jesus' blood paid the price. It paid the penalty for our sins, and because of this payment, this forgiveness, this justification, you and I were now declared perfect righteous perfectly holy by the blood of a perfect sacrifice the perfect lamb of god listen pay attention and because of this the bible said you don't have to go to jerusalem because we are the temple of god amen amen we are the temple of god where my sin daniel allen bush's sin had separated me from god's presence requiring this place this structure where animals would be sacrificed and blood would be spilled to atone for my sins. Now, because of the blood of Jesus that's been spilled, I've been redeemed, my sin is paid for, and we now have the opportunity to receive the very presence, the very divine presence of God in us. That's amazing. And again, I think we don't truly understand it as Gentiles, but because of Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God, no longer confined to a temple in Jerusalem, but instead he's living in us. We're the temple of God. We are the temple of God. That's, uh, Paul, he, he talks a little bit about this. He says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? I love it. He says, you're not your own. <laughs> he says, you We're bought with a price. So glorify God, not at the temple in Jerusalem, but where? Glorify God where? In your body. In your body. Glorify God in your body. So if you're here today and you're a Christian, if you've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, would you please go ahead and say this, repeat after me. Say, I am the temple of God. God. Where his Holy Spirit dwells. Say it again like you mean it. I am the temple of God God. where his Holy Spirit dwells. dwells. Amen. Again, for a Jewish person 2,000 years ago, this is more radical than we could understand. The temple of God's presence is now our body. And with that, this changes everything. It changes everything. I'd encourage you to listen to the three messages from back in the spring. I don't have time to cover all that material again today. But if you're going to live the life that God has destined you to live, and I do believe that God has intentionality for your life, but you have to get to the place where you understand and have it settled in your heart and settled in your mind that as a Christian, you are a temple. And right now, you have the very presence of God living in you. And so what that means in a setting like this is that when you're here, if you are a Christian sitting here today, you aren't actually here to find God. You've already been found. God found you, and he's in you. Again, a new covenant established by Jesus' blood. You are the temple of God where God's spirit dwells, and don't let anybody tell you otherwise. We are believing some lies, church. You, in Christ, you were bought with a price. So glorify God in the temple that is your body. And then, 
This is when you get the goosebumps. When we come together in a gathering like we have this morning, what a powerful demonstration of the presence of God when each one of us who are carrying the presence of God come into a place like this, then we can truly say this is the house of God. This is the house of God. Regardless of what the structure looks like or smells like, this is the house of God where the very presence of God dwells. It's powerful. It's very powerful. But do we believe it? Do we believe it? And I, you don't have to answer that out loud. And I, I'm just, I'm just kind of wanting to challenge all of us, including myself, just a little bit this morning. Do we believe it? Because, again, this is a foundational uh, truth of our faith. This is Christianity 101. This is not a belief hiding in the recesses and corners of Scripture. It is front and center at the core of our belief that the Spirit of God dwells in us. Uh, We sing worship songs all the time about it. We preach all the time about it. We even post on Facebook about it. But do we truly believe it? Because I'm just not so sure that many of us would be living the way we are living if we truly believe that the holy of holies, the most holy place of God's divine presence was in us. I just want you to think about that. And I don't know you guys too well, so I'm not even messing in your business. But I'm just saying, what would change if you truly believe that the divine presence of God dwell in you? How might you speak differently? How might you treat others differently? How would your life change if you were fully aware, fully aware of God dwelling in you? I was just praying that all week this week. Just the Holy Spirit, make me aware of your presence, fully aware of your presence in me. But then take it one step further. I mean, I think it's one thing to have God's presence inside of us, as crazy and as radical as that truth of Scripture is. There's a part of us that can kind of be like, okay, well, yeah, sure, God's in me, like, He's the creator, I'm the created. The Bible says I'm created in God's image, so sure. Like, God's presence is in me. But I think even that statement's kind of safe. It's kind of a safe statement. In fact, even if you said that to non-Christians, they'd be like, oh yeah, like, I have the presence of God in me too. But I think that's just shallow (laughs) and sells it all a little short of the true reality of what we have with God's presence living in us. Because not only, and you might want to write this down, not only does God want to live in you, but he desires to move in his power through you. Not only does he want to dwell in you, and praise the Lord for that, right? Amen, hallelujah. But he also wants to move in power through you. Scripture, again, is so very clear about this. Ephesians 3.20, it says, uh, Paul's talking, and he says that God is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. According to what? According to his power. And where is that power working? His power that is at work within us. 2 Peter 1.3, it tells us, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Romans 8, 11, one of my favorites. Look at this. The Spirit of God. Look at this power that's in you. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. Where is that Spirit? He lives in you. I mean, if you just memorize that one and lived with that one for the rest of your life, 
Think of how it would change the way you live. That the very spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead. It lives in me. It's alive. It's awake in me. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Because actually believing in and living by the power of God, it will radically change your life forever. You will never live the same way again. It will be a completely new way of living. If the 120, 30, 140 of us here started living by the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, the greater community would change in radical ways. Radical ways. But I think so many of us are selling ourselves short. We sell ourselves short, and, and there, there's a lot of ways that we do that. I'm just going to focus on two. One, the negative self-talk that so many of us are good at, or just believe in Satan himself, right? Believe in the lies. Believe in the lies, either from ourselves or from Satan, that we are powerless. How many of us have allowed those kinds of things to just creep into our heart and creep into our minds? That we're powerless. That, yeah, maybe God is in me, but he couldn't actually ever do something supernatural and miraculous through me. And so instead of moving forward into what God has destined us to do, we believe the lie. We believe the lie. But again, remember that the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of you. That he's able to do immeasurably more in you and through you than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. The gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Father sends us the gift. Church, receive the gift. Receive the gift. Tear it open, as Pastor Randy would say. Embrace the gift. It's your right and your privilege as a son and daughter of God. And sometimes, don't you know, and and sometimes in faith, you just got to kind of raise your hands. You got to shout in the air. You just go, today I choose to receive and live by the power of the Holy Spirit that is living in me. Regardless of what you say world regardless of what you say enemy ruler of the air i am saying today i choose to live by the power of god that dwells in me the temple of god hallelujah hallelujah well how do we do this how do we live by the power of god i want to spend the rest of my time talking about this again we talked in greater detail back in the spring but if you're taking notes you want to write some of this down Uh, the first verse that i'd love for you to write down is galatians chapter 5 Verse 25. It's so good. In fact, all of Galatians, especially that chapter 5, is, is so good in regards to what we're talking about. But he says, if we live by the Spirit, and that's what we want to do, that's what we're talking about today. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, living by the Holy Spirit, it's not a one-time experience. I think that's an area that we kind of screw up sometimes as the Christian church. It was not a one-time experience. It is a daily walk with the Lord where you are spiritually aware and spiritually awake every day, morning till night. Always remaining. It's a sensitivity. Some of you know what I'm talking about. A sensitivity to your spiritual walk. Am I living by the Spirit or am I living and walking by the flesh? Am I keeping in step with the Spirit or am I wandering into the desires of my flesh? I love what the Bible says in Romans 8 verse 5. I talked to Romans 8 11 earlier, but in verse 5 he says this. He says, those who are living according to the Spirit. Again, that is us. Those who are the temple of God where the Spirit, the divine Spirit and presence of God dwells. Those of us living according to the Spirit. What does it say? Sets our minds on the things of the Spirit. 
for living by the Spirit, we're setting our mind on the things of the Spirit. It's a daily battle of putting on the armor of God, right? Ephesians 6, putting on that armor of God, allowing the Spirit to renew our minds, transform our minds, because, newsflash, I don't even have to tell you this, but have you noticed that we're all tempted? If you aren't tempted, write a book (laughs) and let us all read it. But the, the clear reality of Scripture is we are all tempted. All tempted to succumb to the flesh. By the way, temptation is not a sin. I just want to say that to some of you. What we do with temptation. But you will be tempted. Jesus was tempted. The Pope is tempted. You know, whoever your guy that you look up to, he's tempted. It's what we do with the temptation. I've seen so many good people who were running the race. Just running the race. Who got taken down. By the temptations of the world. The only way you can truly resist and find victory over temptation is to daily keep in step with the Spirit and keep your mind set on the things of the Spirit. Again, if you're you're taking notes, write down those scriptures. Those are great scriptures for you to memorize and just to begin to practice in your life. I was thinking about it this week. One, one of the greatest areas where I see people get off track in their walk is in the area of emotions and feelings. Emotions and feelings. And I'm thankful for emotions and feelings. God made them. They do us well for most of the time, a special part of humanity. In fact, in our emotions and our feelings, it's really that sense of being alive. But have you noticed that sometimes our emotions and our feelings just don't play nice? Anyone else besides me just notice that sometimes they do not play nice? It's as if they just rise up out of nowhere and you're like, what? You, you wake up and you're kind of grumpy and you don't even know why. Who knows? Maybe it's because your dad was grumpy too and now you've just got some grump DNA in you. Who knows? Or you ever wake up and you're just kind of depressed and you, and you can't explain it. By the way, you're not alone when you feel that way. I know we don't talk a lot about that in church, but that is a part of our humanity. That is part of being a human being. And there will be days, even, may I dare say, that you're going to feel like you're almost ready to give up on it all. You you don't have to raise your hand on that, but have you ever had that thought? Maybe it's all not worth it. Others of you, there might be that feeling of, you know what, I'm going to compromise or you know what just out of my exhaustion i'm ready to cut some corners for those of us it's i'm going to retreat or i'm going to abandon or i'm going to wander or whatever else the thing is that you're tempted to do but that is exactly the moment when you need something deeper and more powerful than even your emotions to carry you through And in my own life, I've seen this played out so many times. This is exactly when you have to stand up in faith and you say, you know what? I'm kind of sad today. Or you know what? I'm kind of lonely today. Or you know what? Today, I'm kind of anxious. I told my wife on Monday morning, I go, babe, I'm just anxious today. Or, Or maybe, you know, I'm just worried today. 
But Lord, as much as I know how, I want to keep in step with your Holy Spirit. See, my body, it's your temple. My body, it's a place where your spirit dwells. And so I'm going to set my mind on the things of your spirit. And these thoughts, these attitudes, these feelings, they are not going to win the day. So Holy Spirit and church, this is active faith. Holy Spirit, lead me. (laughs) Have you ever waved the white flag, right? You're just like, I'm done. Holy Spirit, lead me. Holy Spirit, lead me. Through these troubled waters, lead me. Through this sorrow and distress, lead me. Even in the midst of the battles going on in my head, lead me. Even in the midst of the brokenness in my heart, lead me, Holy Spirit. I want to be with you. I want to walk with you through it all. I want to be in step with you wherever you go. I go wherever you are. That is where I want to be. I choose to live by the Spirit of God. I choose to live by the Spirit of God. I think this is just a part of the Christian faith that many of us, we, we just need to learn how to exercise these faith muscles. And it's got to be more than just a children's song, you know, or like a nursery rhyme. Like this has to be a raw, crazy, dangerous reality of us as Christians that we rise up and we just say, I choose to live by your Spirit today. In the midst of the war in my brain and the crushing of my heart, I choose to walk by your spirit. Because how many, have you seen, you've just seen this. How many, when they're not feeling it, they abandon the journey of walking with God. Yeah, I I, I love today and I, I think God's really into today because today is an opportunity for us to exercise those faith muscles again. So that even if you aren't feeling it today, you can rise up in faith and you can walk by the Spirit of God. I remember Ray Wright, your, your, your husband, and he and I would talk a lot. And one of the things we would talk about was just the importance of daily putting on that armor of God that we would live by the consistency and the steadfastness of the Spirit instead of riding the roller coaster of emotions. And learning how to do that, you're going to have to give yourself some grace because it's a process. It's a big part of maturing in the faith. And and we're all at different stages on that journey. And I just want to encourage you, the Holy Spirit is faithful to teach you on that journey. But it's so important that we commit to growing in this area. So important that we just rise up in faith and say, I commit to growing in this area because here's the beauty of it all. And I close with this. As we recognize the presence of Of the Holy Spirit and live by the power of the Holy Spirit, regardless of how we feel. This is when the people around us will notice in us the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit. When you and I choose to live by the Spirit, when we choose to see our bodies as the Holy of Holies, the place where God's presence dwells. When we make room, don't you know that idea and that posture of making room for God? When we make room for God to operate in us and through us, not indulging in the flesh, but intentionally choosing to live by the Spirit of God, something powerful and even beautiful, I love that you said beauty earlier, something beautiful begins to form in us. One of the favorite parts of my job is when I get to witness this fruit of the Spirit that begins to be produced in a person's life when they fully yield to God. It's one of my favorite things. When someone fully yields to God, just the fruit that begins to be produced in their life. It is such a testimony in my life 
when I see that of what God can do. What God can do. Because have you noticed, wherever God's spirit is, wherever his spirit is, that's where you're going to see the most marvelous, glorious, beautiful things begin to grow. Have you seen that just the fruit begins to grow? Where the spirit of the Lord is, you've heard that there's freedom. Anyone heard that before? Uh, where the spirit of the Lord, there's freedom. But where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom and, and light and life and vitality and, and goodness. Where the spirit of the Lord is, where the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit dwells. Have you noticed things begin to move? Things begin to breathe. Things begin to flourish and they even come alive. They come alive. Don't you think this world might need some things to come alive, to flourish? This is how Paul talks about it in the Galatians 5. He calls it fruit. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He says, against these things, such things, there is no law. Isn't it so encouraging when you run up to someone that's just dripping with the fruit. You're, just, you're like, man, I love hanging out with you. By the way, it's fruit and not fruits. So you don't get to pick one and not have the other. You know, I got the fruit of love, but that patience thing, that just ain't me. No, he's saying the, the byproduct of living by the Spirit is the temple of God with the Spirit within you. The result of daily being aware of the Holy Spirit's power working in us and through us, that there is this fruit of the Spirit. It's a byproduct of the Spirit. It's a kingdom thing, by the way, church. It's a Jesus thing, by the way, church. And this fruit is so good, so powerful, so holy, that this fruit, he even says there's no law against it. Praise the Lord. There's no law against such things. And so I want you to think about your own life and what this means for you as the rivers of God's Spirit flows from within you. Just think about everywhere that river flows. It's just the life that will begin to grow. Right? As the river of living water begins to just flow from within you, that everywhere that river touches, just life will begin to grow. Fruit will begin to grow. Things of love and joy. Peace and patience. Just grow. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. They take root in your life. They're just like stubbornly just get in there. And like Satan in the pit of hell won't take this away from me. And they just grow in you and that tree gets stronger and stronger. And the fruit, it's just beautiful and powerful, refreshing and full of life and vitality. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And ultimately, church, life shrink, that is God's plan for your life. He places His Spirit in you to conform you to the image of His Son, to make you more like Jesus every day, so that the, when the world sees you, wherever you are, and I don't know where you're going after this, but wherever you are, that the world would see in you an abundant, powerful, fruit-filled life, the life that only Jesus could bring. So I challenge us as we close that we would yield to the power of of the Holy Spirit inside of us. That as the temple, that you and I, we would give him permission to mold us into who he has created us to be. And that all of us who profess Jesus as Lord and Savior, we would be these beautiful and these powerful expressions of love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let's become more aware of his presence. Let's live by the power of his presence. And may God receive the glory as the world sees in us the fruit of his presence. We're going to watch this video together after it's over. I'm going to come up and and we'll pray together. If you've ever heard the phrase, the Holy Spirit, and you want to know what it means, where do you start? Well, you have to start on page one of the Bible, where the uncreated world is depicted as this dark, chaotic place. But then above the chaos, God's Spirit is there, hovering, ready to bring about life and order and beauty. Okay, but... What is God's spirit? Yeah, so the spirit is the way the biblical authors talk about God's personal presence. The Hebrew word is ruach. Ruach. Yeah, you got to clear your throat at the end. So what is it? Well, ruach can refer to a number of different things, but what they all have in common is energy. Energy? How so? So there's an invisible energy that makes the clouds move or the tree branches sway. Right. Wind. So in Hebrew, that's ruach. Okay. Now take a big breath. So you feel that inside you. Yeah, the air? Well, specifically the energy, right? The vitality in your body that you get from breathing deeply. That, too, is ruach. And this is the same word used in the Bible to describe God's personal presence. Just like wind and breath are invisible, God's spirit is invisible. Wind is powerful, and so God's spirit is powerful. And just as breath keeps us alive, so God's spirit sustains all of life. Yeah, ruach. Now, as we continue on in the story of the Bible, we see God's Ruach giving special empowerment to people for specific tasks. The first person in the Bible this happens to is Joseph. God's Spirit enables him to understand and interpret dreams. And then it happens to this guy named Bezalel, and he's an artist. God's Spirit empowers him with wisdom and skills. He's given creative genius to make beautiful things in the tabernacle. And we also see God's Ruach empower a group of people called the prophets. They're able to see what's happening in history from God's point of view. That's exactly right. And here's the problem as the prophets saw it. While God's Ruach had created a really good world, humans have given in to evil. They've unleashed chaos into it through their injustice. A new type of disorder. Yes. And the prophet said the spirit would come, just like in Genesis 1, but now to transform the human heart, to empower people to truly love God and others. How will this new act of God's spirit happen? Well, centuries pass and we are introduced to Jesus. And at the beginning of his mission, there's this beautiful scene where Jesus is being baptized in the waters of the Jordan River. Yeah, the sky opens up and God's spirit comes and rests on him like a bird. The story is saying that God's spirit is empowering Jesus to begin the new creation. And we see this happening when he heals people or forgives their sins. He's creating life where there once was death. Now, Israel's religious leaders oppose Jesus and they eventually have him killed. But even here, God's spirit is at work. The earliest disciples of Jesus, who saw him alive from the dead, said it was God's energizing spirit that raised Jesus. This is the beginning of new creation. Yes, and it's still going. When Jesus appeared to his closest followers, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And soon after that, the spirit powerfully comes on all of his disciples. So that they can become a part of this new creation and share the good news and learn how to live by the energy and influence of God's Spirit. And so today, 
The spirit is still hovering in dark places. Yes, pointing people to Jesus, transforming and empowering them so they can love God and others. And the Christian hope is that the spirit is going to finish the job. The story of the Bible ends with a vision of a new humanity, living in a new world that's permeated with God's love and life-giving spirit. Amen. Would you stand with me, church? I want to pray for us. Lord, I don't know the stories of those in this room. But we just right now, in the name of Jesus, declare that everyone in this room would receive the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. That we would no longer live by willpower, just muscling up willpower, but instead we would surrender to your power in our lives. And that there would be a fresh wind of your spirit in this place. Blow, Lord. Blow, Jesus. Your Holy Spirit. The power of your Holy Spirit into your people once again. The world sees us as fools for even talking about this. And yet, the truth of your scripture says we are people of your spirit. Who live by your spirit. So God, if we're to live by your spirit, then we want it all. We want everything that you would have for us. So again, Lord, we say we receive your spirit in our lives. And God, may every place your spirit touches bring life. I just think about that in my own life. God, every place that your spirit would touch would bring life. Lord, in my heart, in my mind, in my body, in my words, in my deeds, life would begin to flow. And I pray that over this church, Lord, because you have things for us to do. There are plans that you have prepared in advance for us to do. But God, we don't want to go into them just muscling up some personal strength. We want to instead, Lord, be crucified in you. Where we no longer live, but it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. That we might do the things you've called us to do, not by our own will and our own strength, but by the very will and strength and power of God. So God, again, right now, well up from within us, that our bellies would begin to break forth the very presence of God into our lives. Invade us, Jesus, for good and for your glory. For good and for your glory. That the world might see in us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, a gentleness, and Jesus, a self-control. Oh, glory to you, God. Glory to you, God, for your presence. Glory to you, God, that we don't have to make a trek to Jerusalem to to find your divine presence. Glory to you, God, that we don't have to be separated from that veil from the Holy of Holies. Glory to you, God, that when your son died on that cross, the veil was torn from top to bottom. And we are the very Holy of Holies. That we, as temples of God, are the very divine presence of God. God, would you once again just overwhelm us with the love of God that has made a way for us to carry your presence. 
And God, would you put a smile on our faces once again? That your people would be known for the joy of the Lord that is our strength. That we would truly be carriers of the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news that you did not send your son to condemn the world, but to save it through him. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Teach us. We're on a journey. We're on a road trip. But teach us today by your spirit what it looks like to grow in faith. To grow in a life that is not just emotions and feelings and circumstances and situations. But it's a deeper walk. It's a closer walk. It's a more powerful walk by the very spirit, divine presence of God. Flood us again. We're open. We're kids, meaning we, we kind of don't get it right all the time. We're, we're young ones in the faith. We, we kind of trip and screw this whole thing up. But you're a dad who loves his kids. You are not up in heaven making fun of us in this moment. You actually adore our hearts. You adore our willingness to grow. You just, you cherish the moment when your sons and your daughters come as, as little ones to you and say, we actually need your help. We need your teaching. And you are so faithful by your spirit to teach us what we need, to give us what we need. And so Jesus, here we are. Here we are. Come Lord Jesus, by your spirit, come and give us the divine power that would give us everything we need to live a godly life for you. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.